Hello out there. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we've got a couple minutes before we get started, so hope everybody's having a good week. If you hear music, my apartment is very loud. The complex has got a lot of people playing loud, thumpy music, and it kind of uh, it pervades the walls. We have very thin walls here, and these people don't care, so... Hopefully they have to go to work tomorrow and we'll have to hear it. Alright, we're slowly getting people in here. We'll get started here in just a minute. Hope you all had a good week. It's getting cold. Uh, we got some uh, heavy rain coming in the next couple of days. It's going to be chilly where my mom's at. It's going to be cold, and they could possibly have some snow, which is weird for this time of year. But then again, you know, the gods see fit to give us the weather whenever we get it. So it's like, you know, we have to pretty much deal with it. But uh, so I hope wherever you're at, it's nice and warm because where I'm at today, it's not very warm. All right, we're starting to get more people. Um, tonight, uh, before we get started, just want to say I'm enjoying a fresh glass of uh, blueberry mead. And oh my God, this stuff is wonderful. So get yourself something to drink and, and enjoy the, the evening with me. But this stuff is just, oh my. Uh, you know, one thing about making mead is it's worth the wait. Yeah, take several months, sometimes up to a year, depending on what you're waiting to happen but whenever it comes down to it you know the after result you know once you get it bottled and everything it's just uh, and you don't have to worry about going to the liquor store and hoping to find something you've got it in your refrigerator so alright and we're gonna get started here in just a second oh that's so good alright we've got eight or nine people here which is cool and what we are doing tonight is this is our second installment of Oak Leaves. This is Oak Leaves, Oak Leaves 2, Druidic, Druidic Discussions. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, modern Druidism and how we apply the things that we have learned from what the ancient Druids and stuff have taught us. How do we apply it to today? Everybody has different ideas about that. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff tonight. Um, we've got classes coming up and things like that. So we've got on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to be doing our next class, which is Druid School number 8. And we're going to be talking about Sacred Ireland and Irish Celtic cosmology. There's a lot to cover in this next class. So it's going to be pretty nice. And the thing that I've been has been so cool is... Um, you know, a lot of times you don't think about who you reach. Uh, 
whenever you just do things like this, you know, just sitting on, on Facebook and recording videos for people. But uh, this morning I was contacted by a uh, girl from Holland and I'm just going, oh wow. And she goes, yeah, I've been watching your, your videos and stuff on Facebook and she, she thanked me, basically thanked me for putting this out there. And the reason why we're doing this is, you know, not just because of the situation that we're in with the pandemic, but for the most part, you don't really see very many people teaching, uh, uh, you know, druidic stuff anymore. I mean, you know, you have certain groups like ADF and things like that, that have their outreach through their courses and stuff. But as far as taking it to the people, taking it to the masses and stuff, I really, other than people that are, you know, book writers and things like that, but as far as doing personal, one-on-one, -on -one, face to face kind of, of interactions, you don't really see it. And I, and I just basically thought, okay, well, this is, you know, the time that I think it would be um, good to do it. So it's really nice to have somebody that understands and was, you know, just really tickled to have uh, an opportunity to learn because there are places where uh, there's not necessarily a lot of pagans. There's not necessarily a lot of people that are druidic, period. So whenever you reach somebody in an area that is basically untouched to a degree, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like the idea that, you know, Facebook and various other media can touch the world. So if you're out there and you are uh, a part of this, if, you, if you've checked out any of the videos and any of the classes and stuff that I've, I've brought forth so far, um, I appreciate you for one. And for two, we're just going to keep going. We're going to go till the wheels fall off because, you know, I think it's important that people have an outlet to learn. And like I said at the beginning of the classes and everything, it's like, I'm not going to teach you everything. It's like hard to do that, you know. But what I am going to do is give you just enough information to kind of pique your interests and to give you a starting point, a signpost on where to go, and where to look, and, and what ideas are out there. And then after that, it's up to you to flesh it out and to find out what is important to you. How, what part of the path are you going to be, uh, you know, embarking on? Are you going to be a druid? Are you going to be working as a bard? Or maybe even so much more as an ovate or a seer? That's why, that's another reason why I like druidry so much is the fact that there are so many different uh, ways that there's so many different paths on the path that it's divergent and I like that there's there's some uh, you know certain monotheistic traditions and stuff like that that you don't really get the uh, ability to do that holy crap alright we've got 17 people here well hello good to have you guys here um, I hope everybody can hear me okay before we get started I'm gonna take another drink of this wonderful mead we're going to go ahead and, and uh, kind of get the energy set. And then we're going to dive right into the topic of the evening. And if you have any questions or interaction, just feel free to type up a question or, or make a comment on the uh, on the chat side of the, the deal. And interact. This is not just me for talking to you guys, but for you to have a voice and have things where you can get questions answered and, you know, make what your thoughts are heard, too. And give me just a second here. All right. So before we get started, 
what I want to do. Let's take just a second and we're going to kind of just get comfortable in our chairs. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to take three deep breaths. And as we do, we're going to chant the Ah Wen three times. May the blessings of body, mind, and spirit be yours. Um, I think one of the things that I, I like about the idea of doing these uh, oak leaves get-togethers is the idea it's not necessarily a class, but it gives us a chance to talk about things and topics that you wouldn't necessarily be able to bring forth in a class setting. And one of those things is what we have to realize is the idea that we are neo-druids. Neo meaning new. And in that sense, what it is, is we are, we're taking, it's like a puzzle. And it has so many pieces and we're trying to get the pieces to fit together to give us a picture of what life was like in ancient civilizations and earlier times in our history. And one of those times is around uh, the era of how Ireland came to be how it was populated um, and uh, the idea of what the spiritual practices were that were brought into Ireland after the Celts migrated across the European landmass and came into the island of Ireland proper. Um, so basically we're looking at a great span. We're looking at what we have now which is the year 2020 and then you look back and you go to I think it's like 400 CE in that area so we have those many 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 years apart and between then and now a lot of things happen a lot of stuff uh, uh, evolves and changes as an example one of the main things that happened to Ireland at some point was the uh, immigration and uh, integration of Christianity in whatever form, whether it was Catholicism, Catholicism or Protestant worship, because before the Protestant and the the, the Protestant side and the uh, the Catholic side came into Ireland, it was basically pretty much untouched. Okay, and also looking at this, we're going to kind of. Uh, take Druidry in its whole form, not just looking at where it is on, on Ireland itself, but also in Gaul, um, France, Spain, England, Wales, Scotland, that whole kind of thing, because these are the main areas that at those times where Druidry in whatever form was coming together. And that's the one thing Hello, Judy. Good morning to you. Blessings of the old gods to you. We have Judy Drew here from Australia. Um, I hope everything's going okay there and uh, uh, that everybody's, uh, you know, safe and sound from the COVID and everything. I appreciate you being here. 
Um, but we have to look at what we're doing today as compared to what was going on then. And we have to know, excuse me, we have to know how to integrate those things into our uh, existence. And as an example, the idea of Awen and Imbus, which Imbus is just the Irish word for inspiration. It's another form of inspiration. I think that's one of the biggest things that we are able to bring into our modern practice. Now, inspiration has many, many facets to it. But I think spiritually, inspiration has the ability to, inspiration is the, is the spark in our heads and our bodies and in our souls that gives us the ability to get out of bed every day. If we weren't inspired, we would become depressed, anxious, uh, forlorn human beings that the only things we would want to do is stay in bed until we died. So basically, inspiration is important for our existence because of the fact that inspiration, whenever you look at it in its basis form, is the ability to have that spark of faith that says, we've got a new day to go through and we can do this. And then once we get out of bed and we start that day, we take that inspiration and we run with it. There's so many different forms that inspiration takes. And even for those of us that are practicing Druidry, it becomes more amplified. As an example, inspiration uh, helps us to, uh, you know, deal with people, deal with our contacts with other people. Sometimes we are great and we have no problems and our days go wonderfully and all of our interactions are fine. Other days, things are hectic. We're dealing with people that aren't necessarily the greatest. And so we have to be able to adapt and to, you know, fight against the urge to go to the extremes that they do. Um, if somebody is being mean to you or is being disrespectful, you know, it's easy to, you know, get mad and to, uh, uh, you know, go back against them. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm prompting that with a caveat here, that we should never, you know, just be, uh, you know, whatever uh, way back to somebody because um, if, if we send back meanness with their meanness, it's not so much of, of, of a karma thing, but it affects our character. You know, if we do the same thing that everybody does to us, over time, we become lifeless, joyless, old, crabby people. And that's the one thing I think that Druidry has uh, uh, the ability to do is through all of its facets and everything that we do spiritually within it, it can help us to become better, more stable people. We're spiritual beings. Um, that's the one thing a lot of people don't understand about you know, they get the idea that whenever they be, they come into pagan practice, that, you know, it's about dancing around the fire and, and singing songs and drinking meat and doing all these things. Those are the trappings. What you really want to get into is the spiritual side of it, how it affects you, how it manifests in your life, how it makes or breaks your situation from day to day. Because... You know, once we go through this life, everything that we've done as we move on to our next existence, 
kind of builds up into that spiritual scorecard. And I want to be one of those people that, yeah, I know that I'm, I'm not perfect. I've never been perfect. But I know that in some instances that, you know, I've tried to look at something through somebody else's eyes. Um, and, the, in, you know, these other things. And it's like also, I think that's another thing with just the base of, of being pagan and, and you know, uh, attached to the druid, the, the druid life that way is the fact that once you start to know, once you're new and you start to learn about Georgia, and you, one of the base things that you learn as far as within the pagan side of it is the idea that the gods are out there, okay? And one thing that I do is I don't look at just, you know, the, the, the festivals and things that they're tied to, but you look at the attributes of what the gods are. You look at those that are the healers. You look at those that are the strong warriors and things like that. And one of the best things that you can do whenever you very first start learning about the gods is see what traits of, of each god or, uh, you know, any of the gods, how they pertain to you. Are you strong? Then you could be like the Dagda. Are you, um, are you one that's always wanting to take care of somebody when they're sick and are a healer? Then more than likely you are like Aramut or Dianket or uh, Bridget. And then you can kind of see, okay, well, these are the things that I want to uh, work on to bring more fluidly into my life. So that right there, it just even with that base is where ancient wisdom affects our modern practice because of the simple fact that whenever you start to study these things and actually understand, it affects how you act and interact with society and people and other beings, which I think is very important because um, if it doesn't affect you and if it doesn't affect your relationships, human and otherwise, then if it, that's if that's a spiritual uh, concept that you're supposed to be espousing, it doesn't seem like it works very well. As an example of that is, you know, you have uh, people that have uh, followed Christianity for their entire life, but whenever you meet them, they're mean and rude and have all these different values and stuff that whenever you look at their holy book, the Bible, and uh, you look at how it's, it says these different things, but then you watch how they act and interact with society, these things don't equal up, but they don't come together. So they're saying that they're doing it, but their actions are showing that they're not doing it. Okay, it's called uh, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And too many people spiritually do that kind of thing. I'm guilty of that same kind of thing in the past. And, you know, at various times, we're all human. We have our days where we're not going to, you know, we're not going to come up to that high level of, of um, you know, high level of expected interaction with people. You know, sometimes you just, you feel like being an asshole and you act out on that. But that doesn't mean that, you know, that you can't actually use your spiritual practice as a means of making you a better person. That's what it's basically there for. We're preparing our souls for the next life. 
And if we just willy nilly, you know, just say that we're doing something, but don't put any gas behind it, whenever we do, you know, pass from this existence and we go into the next world, um, I think that some instances, if you've kind of backslid because of the fact that you think it's just going to be too easy, that whenever you move into your next life, you're either going to have it just as hard, uh, basically the same, you're going to be doing the same thing over again, or when you make that next existence, you're going to be moving backwards. And that's not, that's not good. So, you know, whenever we do these things, and you got to think though, why, why do we follow these traditions? Why do we follow these paths? Well, you know, there are people that are superficial enough that they do, oh, because my friend's got a book or I saw a coven on TV or these other things, you know. Everybody's reasoning for, uh, you know, pagan practice is their own. I give them that. But on the same end of things, you have to look at the idea that there are people out there that are legitimately looking for something to make them, uh, uh, you know, uh, a better person you know, in this world. And there's many ways to do that. And one of the things I like about pagan practice is the idea that uh, we're taking this into our own hands. We're not expecting somebody else to do it for us. Um, and even more so going from witchcraft, which I come out of a, uh, uh, a Wicca and uh, traditional witchcraft background and some ceremonial magic, into Druidry is the idea that, um, you know, it's it's not a matter of, in, in the beginning, there was kind of that selfish attitude that I've seen within Covens where it was always about them and never about anything else. It was all internalized, okay? So any magic that was done, any meditation that was done was immediately tied to everybody that was there and nothing that was external. You take Druidry on the other hand, and for the most part, I've seen more caring and more, more external wanting to help make the world a better place through Druidic practices than I've seen through most other uh, pagan traditions. And I think that's because that's what Druidry is hardwired for. Um, you know, we see the importance of the trees and the nature spirits and these other things and then you look at the idea of magic okay most uh, witchcraft and stuff like that are spells that are directed inward towards people situations and all these things that we want to happen on the other side of it when you look at a lot of druidic ritual and spell work because there is spell work in druidry and druidic magic is the idea that there's more than just me in this world. So that's why we have the Ovate Seers that are healers, the ones that look into the future, that try to give uh, help and instruction to those that seek it. And then you have the Bards. Bards are important too. The Bardic Arts are the things that keep us informed about the ways of society, the ways of our tribe, the ways of the things that are going on on this planet, and there's very few traditions that have that. Basically, like I've said in classes before, that the bards are 
uh, a druidic version of the newspaper or the CNN or whatever. You know, that, that is important. And that's something that we can bring from then into now is the idea of how do we, uh, how do we interact with people um, on the idea of are we inclined to he helping people? then that healing aspect is something we want to shine out to folks. We don't want to keep it all for ourselves because if you're a good healer, oh, for the love of the gods, if you have that gift, please share it. We've got so many people that are sick in body and mind these days that, you know, somebody that can give a kind word or, a, you know, a sip of water to somebody that has a fever, it's very important, you know, um, those actions, those actions come back to you. That karma, that three times three times nine times nine times twenty-one times twenty-one, that exponential growth, um, and that's the one thing that, like I say, I like about druidry is the fact that it's not selfish. It can be people are selfish. People can be selfish, but if you look at the tradition overall, for I would say ninety-seven percent. I'm going to say that there is this outpouring of wanting to, you know, give, give of yourself, give of your tribe, give of your group to help others, to help critters, to help nature spirits, the whole nine yards. Because I think when we look at the, the, the purpose of what the Druids were within Celtic society, they were kind of the gatekeepers and the protectors of, of knowledge and lore and the healing arts and uh, the law and things like that. So uh, anything that we practice now, this neo-druidry that I'm talking about, is the idea, and even uh, to a, a greater degree, which we're going to do a class um, in the future, in the near future, where we're going to talk about what is the difference between neo-druidry and Celtic Reconstructionism, which will, that's a whole different thing. But... So you have this, you have this to build on. And, you know, you have people that say, well, in the United States, you really can't do that. Yes, you can. You know, uh, we have so many people here that have immigrated from Ireland and other Celtic countries and stuff. Now, here's the thing. Another question I keep getting all the time, uh, you know, with all of the stuff that we've learned through poems and stories and all this stuff, I still get this even till today, that people say, well, I'm black, or I'm Hispanic, or I'm this, or I'm that, and I can't be a Druid. Yes, you can. Um, you know, it's it's not a matter about it's not a matter about your ethnicity or your uh, cultural background. It's what you want to bring into your spiritual life. Um, that's why people aren't necessarily the thing that kind of gets me is you know that I don't necessarily believe people are born a witch. I believe that you may be born with various psychic abilities and things, but what I do believe is that over time, for those that have those abilities, something gravitates and pulls you there. and Information is made and given to you that puts you onto the right track to find witchcraft and other pagan traditions. But the idea of being born, I believe that we're children of the gods. So being children of the gods, we are... Given, given certain abilities at our birth that we don't know about until time. Over time, 
as we develop in our bodies and our minds, certain things will happen, like in the, in the Irish uh, uh, world of the second sight, the ability to see in the, into the future, to see glimpses of things that other people can't. Uh, there are a lot of Irish grandmothers that are said to have the second sight and that it is hereditary, that it can be, that it can be transmitted to daughters and sons of those that have the sight. Okay, and that's something that you're that you are born with it, but it you don't know what it is until you say, "Oh, this is what it is." It's the second sight. Somebody kind of puts you on to the idea of this, this, and this is what it is, and then you go, "Wow, that makes sense." So that's the same way. Whenever you come into pagan traditions, you're not born an Azatru. You're not born uh, a Dianic witch. And all these things, it's like you have these things within your spirit already up through your life. And then information is passed on to you through the gods and other people and other situations that bring you to it. And then you're able to utilize those things because, you know, there, there are people that have gone through their life and they go, well, I used to be able to see, you know, these different beings in the forest. Or I would hear things that other people didn't hear and through all that stuff, you know, and whenever you have that going on in your life, people are going to think you're crazy. Well, you're not crazy. You're just, you're manifesting things that are perfectly normal within the scope of human, human existence and human evolution that other people have no idea because they, they, either they don't carry those things within themselves or they're repressed or whatever the situation may be, but you are finding out. You are being able to do this. Then all of a sudden, something comes up, and you hear about a coven, or you hear about these different things. And the thing that's kind of good about that is you start everything at a trickle, just thinking of a slow-moving river, just going at its own pace, and then all of a sudden, it opens up into a much larger, more roaring uh with depth and power type thing. And what that is, is whenever you are going along at that normal pace, then all of a sudden you have that moment where you hear about a druidic grove or a book or you see a documentary or whatever. That trickle opens up into that larger river. And when you open up that larger river, that's you for one thing. So you're opening yourself up more to possibilities. And when you open up to more possibilities you open up to more personal power and what you do with that personal power is why we study druidry that's why we study the rituals of the ancient Celts that's why we study the laws of the ancient Celts that's why we study the society um, like whenever I've had people tell me that can women be druids yes because in ancient Celtic society women were considered equals to men the, they had uh, a lot of the same, uh, you know, uh, powers and abilities within the tribe to uh, help make laws for the tribe. They could own property. They were, if, if the men were going to go on a, uh, a warring raid, the women that didn't want to stay home and take care of, the, of, their, of their home, they could grab a sword and a shield and go just as easily as the men. And, you know, so that's another thing is the idea that 
ancient traditions in a modern world are empowering. And that's the one thing is because I think one of the main reasons that we gravitate towards pagan traditions is the idea that before we know what they are, we don't feel empowered. We feel just like everybody else. We think we're no different, um, that, you know, our lives are just going to be humdrum forever and all these different things, blah, blah, blah. That's just the way it is. But look at it this way. Whenever you very first found out about a pagan tradition, what happened? That light bulb went off over your head and you started to get excited. The reason why you got excited was because of the idea that I'm, I'm not alone in looking for something that is a, a, a little bit greater than myself. And then two, not only is the fact that you had found that, but you know that by being diligent about finding out what you need to find out and get the information that you need about that tradition that you're interested in, that you are going to, you're going to improve. Your life has the chance to improve, um, uh, you know, these different things. Because as an example, whenever you very first find out about magic, you're going to be in one of two camps. Either A, you're going to think magic is not real, or B, you're going to be, heart's going to be fluttering, and you're going to think about all the possibilities that are um, inherent in practicing magic. Now, the other side of that, though, is once you start, you know, getting into uh, the ancient traditions, now is there's that little thing that, uh, uh, the, the little built-in steam valves, and those built-in little steam valves are, one, morality, and two, um, consequence, okay? We learn that if you are a moral being, you're not going to do a shit ton of malevolent uh, magical work because you want to be a help to people, okay? Um, and that you realize that uh, if you do work malevolently in your magical uh, working, that you are going to have the possibility of consequence. And the consequence that a lot of people get whenever they get upset about something and they say that they're going to curse somebody or heck somebody or do all these different things is the fact that until they really know how the universe is going to react to the energy that they're putting out, you don't know what's going to happen. You could make things worse. Okay, and that's the karma that you have to be willing to accept. But that's the one thing that I like about magic is because of the fact that it is not, there are chaos magicians, but in its base, magic isn't chaotic for one reason. And the reason why it's not chaotic, magic by itself, when you set magic on a table, it just sits there, okay, and does nothing. Magic isn't activated until you activate it. And how do you activate it is with your intent. And your intent is what drives the energy that revs that magical engine up and gets you the uh, results that you're looking for. Now, I think one thing that we have to realize is you do too much of this. I think also a, a lifetime of overworking 
negative magic can affect how you come back, excuse me, in your next incarnation. So if you are working and putting out all this negative stuff for 20 or 30 or 40 years or however long, eventually that battery is going to build up with all that negativity that whenever you pass from this, pass from the veil and you move into the next incarnation, excuse me, itchy, itchy nose, um, you're going to take that with you. And when I say when you take that with you, I think one of the things that happens as a result, consequences, is the fact that you may not reincarnate that fast. There are people that will, they will pass one day and within a year, two, five, ten, uh, on our time scale, um, they can come back. But then you have people that, like I say, that are have that motivation to be negative so that whenever they pass from the veil and they go on, um, it could be centuries before they um, reincarnate. And when they do, it might not be in a form of that they would necessarily want. Okay? So that's another thing. And it's like also with the idea of um, the wisdom that we gain from study and learning and working because we can't, you know, once we find these pagan traditions, whether it's witchcraft or druidry or whatever, you can't just read the book, set the book up on the shelf and let what you read, just expect that to do things for you. That's not going to do anything. You have to take the knowledge that you've gotten into your head and put it into action. And that's the one thing that is great about magic is we have the power to take care of ourselves when when we really need to. We can we can light the candles, we can do the chanting, we can do the trance work, we can do these different things, and we're taking that into our own hands. We're not waiting for the universe to hand us everything on a silver excuse me, silver platter. We're working for our benefit. Also, in that same vein, when we work for our benefit, it gives us, it empowers us even more to work for our family members, to work for friends that we love, to work for society uh, in general, to, you know, to be a beacon and, and a help to those that have mental health problems and just all these different things because we realize that we can be proactive with it. So that's why... For everybody that asked me why we would study something so far back to do the things that we're doing now, because people, if, if we didn't need to, society would be perfect today. But society's not perfect today. Society back then wasn't perfect, but at least they acknowledged the things that could help them. That's why I prefer to work within pagan traditions, because... Just trying to do this by ourselves, sometimes we're not going to make it, folks. It's just not going to happen, you know. Um, sometimes working magic doesn't work. That's the other thing. We have to go, and we have to be realists as well. And what I mean by that is sometimes you're going to work the same magic over and over and over again because you're so desperate to get a certain situation or a certain thing to come into your life and when you do these things and it doesn't manifest, well, 
that's another thing. We have to learn how to read the signs that the universe is putting and the gods are putting up in front of us. And if like if we're one of those people that tries to win the lottery and we've done 800,000 lottery spells and the most we won is $3 on a scratcher, then that should give us the idea that the that you know the universe doesn't want us at that particular time or within that situation to win the lottery not everybody you know everybody thinks money is going to bring you happiness but sometimes you know those kind of situations bring more trouble and sorrow and all these different things than what we think okay but i think one of the greatest things that you can do is that you can be this also it gives us druidry and from the ancient way to now gives us a chance to be more uh, loving and caring and more um, mindful of things that are going on in the world. We can see people that are sad. We can see, you know, people that are hurting and these things, and we can talk to them. We can counsel with them about things. We can light candles for them. We can, you know, help them do their own magic. I'm a big believer on you know, I don't do magic for people at the drop of a hat. There has to be a, a good reason. And what I do is if somebody wants me to do magic for them, I kind of tend to, to flip the script to where I'm not doing it for them, but I show them how to do it for themselves. I might put some of my own energy because of the simple fact that whenever you look at a person's situation, you can't necessarily understand or know exactly what it is that they're going through and you can't exactly know what the what the universe can bring to them out of a magical situation so what you do is you kind of assess what they're going through what they need and what they think that they need and then you go through the planning stages and go through everything that you need to with them to come up with a plan of action that allows them to be proactive and help them do the things like the one of the biggest things is you know people that believe that they have uh, uh, malevolent spirits in their house and stuff I will go do cleansings but my thing is I don't do it by myself I bring them along too I have them light incense I have them drum the drums I have them do different things and then that way they're learning the process so that after I leave that if they believe that 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 situation is a continu continuing then they can do it themselves and be proactive about uh, working, uh, you know, within, you know, their own home. Now, looking at the base of one of the first things that you get whenever you start into Druidry, like I said, is inspiration. Another thing that inspiration does is it motivates us to be creative. And that's the one thing I love the best. My God, there are so many people within Druidic traditions that are singers, that are writers, that are poets, that are sculptors, that are all these different things. And they have I have seen many that have said, and a few have even told me that, you know, before they came into the traditions and things like that and started studying the ancient ways and things like that, that they had no idea that this was in them but one thing is whenever you get that because one thing i've noticed that a lot of pagan people are compared to a lot of non-people pagan people 
is we have more joy for life uh, a lot of times. Not saying that things can't get us down like we're all, that all humans go through, but we have that zest for living, um, you know, the things that get us off our ass and out into the woods with our friends and with our, you know, clan mates and all this stuff. And it opens up a whole new world for you. Um, you know, so I never, unless there's just a situation where it's just so, I would never discourage somebody from following the Druidic path. But it just depends if they're in a situation where uh, they have a spouse or family that would be really, really, uh, you know, disapproving. You have to know how to deal with that, too. But if everything's a green light and they can go through it, encourage them. Because once you do that and you step back and you're helping them out, then you're doing your thing. You're going to see things like I knew a girl that she, you know, just did her thing, went through whatever. She came into witchcraft and eventually moved more deeper into Celtic traditions. And she did kind of get into Druidry a little bit more. But one of the things that she kind of got into was painting. And then she got into uh, uh, textile. Seems she was a seamstress. Oh, my God. She made dresses and garb and boots and kilts and robes and hats and all these things. And she goes, I didn't know I had this in me. I didn't know that I had this kind of creative energy to do these things. She goes, because before I learned about anything that was pagan or Celtic or whatever, I wouldn't have done this stuff. The same way with people that play the drums and the harp and the, the piano and all these other various musical instruments, they had no inkling, or they were just on a regular path of just learning to play and doing whatever. But then when that spiritual life kicked in, things just lit up underneath them. The fire in the head, the inspiration of the gods just kind of comes over you, and that joy allows you to do things, you know? Um, uh, a lot of people say that, you know, pagan people are lazy and unproductive. I say bullshit. I know so many people that are respectable and are doing great things within paganism. There are doctors and lawyers and scientists and all these different things that are important to the continuation of our, our, our species, you know, to, to the world. And I don't see anything lazy about that. You out there, you're not lazy. You're just following a, a path that's leading a different way from everybody else. So that ancient side of things, we have to embrace that more. And some of the things I think that are important to uh, get that going is study more. Um, if there is a path or something within a tradition that you like, take the time, take an hour or two a week. Just one hour wouldn't hurt to sit down and go on the web, uh, look for authors that are writing books about the things that you're wanting to study. Uh, also, once we get out of this, um, a lot of New Age and Pagan bookstores uh, throughout the year have um, classes and lectures by Pagan authors. If you get the chance to go to something like that and it comes to your town or your area, 
jump on it because you're uh, only thing that's going to happen is you're going to be greatly rewarded for the experience of doing it. Um, and I think another thing is that whenever we uh, are doing this, you know, we're modern people. And as we move forward, we're going to carry these traditions through the rest of our lives. I'm 53. If I make it to 75 or whatever before I leave, you know, I've got that many years to share with you and to share with other people and to share with my order, which is the Order of the Standing Oak and other people that I know in the pagan world. <clears throat> so you are uh, what we are as modern people right now. Eventually, we won't be modern. There's going to come a time down the line that somebody a thousand years from now is going to learn about what we are doing now. So basically, in this world that we live in now, we are creating new ancient traditions. So that's one thing. I'm very big on preservation. Um, write things down. Record things. Um, you know, uh, so that way, if there is a way that these things can be found by others in later generations, that we can give them uh, a footing on what, you know, pagans were doing in this time period, the 20, 2000s and, and so forth and so on. And also, uh, try to integrate more of the ancient traditions into your current practice. A lot of people, here's the one thing I really do not like, okay? Um, I'm one of those people that believes if you are working within a cultural construct that you really don't want to mix cultures because of the fact that a lot of those magical traditions, whenever you try to mix them together, are like oil and water. So an example of that is like uh, if you are engaged in the tarp face, which is the, uh, uh, it's a, it's a ritual in which you're wrapped up either in a blanket or a bull hide and you start, uh, in front of a fire at sundown and you go all the way till sunup. And it's basically like being in, um, the, uh, the, the water tanks where they, the, the deprivation tanks. And you have various experiences with the spirits of place and all these different things. So you have that going on. That is a Celtic Irish ritual. Okay. If you were to integrate a uh, Native American tobacco ritual into that, that's not good. You don't want to do that because it's not up to us to bring that tradition into something that we're already doing because it's that is cultural appropriation i believe whenever you go that steep and bring in something into it um and also the gods that you work with are going to maybe not know what this is they're going to be like well what why and one of the things is while you're going through this experience because the tarred face is not something that you want to take into uh uh, account lightly whenever you're doing something like that it could backfire on you in the fact that the gods may look at this and they go well why is this being added to something that you know contacts us in, in a in a positive direction okay 
So the people, eclecticism, I'm not one that believes in eclectic druidry. I just can't do it. I believe that druidry specifically should have some kind of tradition to it. Now, what, however, there's frameworks for that tradition, but it should always be, you know, carried through because somebody goes, well, why are you a stickler for tradition? Because of the energy. Tradition is there for a reason. Tradition is a light point. When the, when the Druids very first came to Ireland and they landed on the, on the ground there and they brought those practices and in, in, enlarged them and made them bigger as their society on the island got bigger, the energy that that tradition brought to the people, the way that it shaped their society, the way it shaped their worldview, which we're going to talk about in this Thursday's class, Sacred Ireland and Celtic Cosmology, all of these things grew and expanded and became bigger and more intricate because of the things, the lore and things that was being brought into the people then, okay? Um, but whenever and over, over time, as you do that, it gets stronger. It becomes more solid, more workable, more feasible. Whenever you're adding all of these other elements into a tradition, you're watering it down. It gets to the point that if you allow too much to come into something that was a, a more foundational tradition, it eventually changes and does not resemble what it was at the beginning. So um, in that aspect, that's why I don't do I don't do a lot of eclectic magic and I don't work anything that is not within the Irish tradition into our grove and our orders uh, rituals because um, I think that it taints the tradition and I believe that it, it changes the energy because when I die I want to be able to pass this on to somebody and I want it to be as, as pure a form as it can so it's understandable it's workable and it's feasible for people to understand men and women um, and the other thing is, uh, I think another thing within the ancient ways, the ancient wisdom, the ancient traditions, is the idea that here we are. Um, one thing is that I think within the pagan aspect of it, maybe not so much of the uh, initiatory part of Georgia itself, but I think within the pagan aspect, we can, we can espouse to have that kind of society within our families. So what does that mean? That means that mothers and fathers that may be listening to me tonight, don't be afraid to teach your children. I know so many people here in my town because I live in Springfield, Missouri, which is one of the largest. Uh, we're the Bi brass buckle of the Bible Belt. We have so many Pentecostal churches. The last time I looked in our phone book, we have 173 churches in a town under 200,000 people. That's a lot of churches. Okay. And so whenever you're working in a city that has that great of a uh, Christian Christian influence, when you're a pagan, which we didn't used to have a lot back then, but now we've got we've got a couple thousand that are out. Uh, I'd say in Springfield now there's probably at least three or four thousand pagans altogether. But back whenever I very first started, we had just a couple hundred because people were afraid to come out into the world because we did not want to be accosted by the um, Christian people 
that were here within our city. And that was kind of good because you don't want to go in and stir up a hornet's nest. You have to be prudent about how you do these things. And people were, kids were going to school. And kids don't know. Kids, when they're young, they don't think about these things. And kids have said, well, my mom and dad are getting ready for sowing. And, uh, you know, we've got a witch above our, above our TV and all these other things. And some of these more devout Christian teachers and, and uh, school principals and things like that have gone to the kids and like, what, what are you talking about? What is this? And, like, and then the kids tell. And then the parents are brought into the situation and uh, they get in trouble. Kids have been kids have been taken away from their parents by uh, judges because they didn't think that the home was a proper environment for people that were pagan and that their kids weren't supposed to be there. I've seen it. I've seen it recently. I've seen it every year for the last 20 some years that I've been involved in in pagan practice and that's not fair and then on the other side of it even those parents that haven't been accosted by the Christian system still have to deal with the idea of well like I work at so-and-so or my wife works at so-and-so and all we hear all day is this Christian aspect of things and stuff and it makes us afraid to teach our kids our pagan traditions because then, you know, if these people find out that you're teaching your kids, they figure, well, it's okay for you, but, you know, the minute you start teaching the kids, you're corrupting them and all this stuff. And then they get antsy about it and they start turning people in. And, you know, parents have to be careful about how they just to even teach them, teach them their own spirituality. Well, that shit ends now. I believe that if you are listening to what I'm saying right now, if you have children um, in your own time, in your own way, in your own vision, teach them. Um, and here's, here's one thing I'll qualify about that. A lot of parents think that if you're pagan, you have to teach your kids to convert them, to get them onto your side. But if I have kids, I'm, if I ever go through artificial insemination with someone or whatever, I have kids, I'm going to teach them our traditions. I'm going to do, you know, let them experience everything. But when it comes down to it, I'm not going to say, well, okay, uh, you've learned all these things. Now you want to come over to our side. No, I let them go through it. They experience life and they choose their path because I'm not living their life. I'm not walking down their road. It would be nice if they chose what I like. And I've seen that in action. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I have seen pagan parents raise their kid from day one in the pagan traditions, went to ritual saw many things, met many people, had many good experiences because paganism were known to be pedophiles and all these different things. You know, we eat babies and we are devil worshippers and all these things. But, you know, it's like there are still, we're still good people regardless of the, the monikers that people in society try to throw on us. But I've seen kids that have gone from day one to the age of 18 and then something kind of just comes along and the kid goes to their friend's church, Pentecostal church, or Catholic church, or wherever it is that they end up going. And they end up following a Christian tradition. And you know what's so cool about all of those situations where I've seen this? Is that the parents didn't freak out. They didn't try to, oh my God, my kid's being a Christian now. They, you know, they uh, 
open their arms to this and say, you do you. Great. You know, just if anything comes up and you want to ask us questions or whatever, then go for it. And you know what? Those people that are doing that, let me get a drink here. have some of the best relationships because the parents weren't so uptight that they had to put that control onto their kid and they let their kids be be them to be the being that they are like we like like the saying says thou art goddess and thou art God regardless of the fact that our kid is over there at a Christian church they are still goddess and they are still God nothing changes that part right there, that fact is true. Um, there's nothing that can deny that. And, you know, it's possible that these children later on, as they get up and have their own kids and stuff, you know, uh, people go in circles, you know. There's always that idea that, you know, you, 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 can, you can find the path that makes you happy, that works the best for you. You don't have to stick with something from day one till the day you die. Because then you become, uh, you become unhappy, and what I mean by unhappy is like people like say Leah Remini spent since the age of eighteen up until her late forties, early fifties with the uh, uh, Church of Scientology, and then she left. Okay, because she could see the writing on the wall. She knew that they weren't a they weren't a religion. They were a money making their Ponzi scheme. Okay. Um, that's another thing that I like about the idea of Druids following the ancient traditions is the fact that there are a few that have bent that rule a little bit, but we're not out there to grift everybody out of a million dollars and, you know, take their wallets and, you know, steal their cars and do all these crazy things. We're in it because we love the earth, we love the trees, we love the, 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 the animals. And we love each other. And that's why I do this. That's why we're doing these discussions. Because it gives us an idea of, you know, how everything just, everything has its place. And, uh, you know, I think one of the best things that you can do is to uh, work as a modern druid. And take those traditions that are from many hundreds of years ago and make them your own don't be afraid to bring them into your home to bring them into yourself to study to write them down to experiment that's another thing truth is subjective okay not what one man's truth is not another man's truth so whenever you're studying even within druidry itself whenever you're studying within a tradition look at things analyze it if you see something that seems to be bullshit it probably is or it may not be but for you and your sensibilities and things like that um, it may not be something that you see as feasible like there are people that work within druidic traditions that don't follow the same uh, patterns of a belief for even something like uh, reincarnation every there are a hundred and fifty thousand different ways that people can believe in reincarnation as an example one of the oldest ways of reincarnation that was kind of brought into the fold by the druids was called transmigration 
where transmigration, what normal, uh, uh, what normal thought would say is that whenever a human male or a human female passes beyond the veil and goes into the next life, we come back as a human male or we come back as a human female. Okay, that's fine. The idea of transmigration is a human male and a human female, whenever we die, we could come back as a tree, we can come back as an animal, we could come back as a mountain, in, in our form can be in a mountain, all these different things. It doesn't have to be this form. But you still are, you still, your, your, your existence is progressing. You're just not progressing in the form that we are used to, you know, this human body. Uh, also, I'm a believer that uh, because of the gift of life, that in a uh, in a form of how we reincarnate, I believe that women are a higher life form. Uh, yes, it does take men to you know give the seed that causes birth to happen, but whenever you look at the idea of the mother, the vessel, the earth that takes care of us, the gods, Mother Danu, all of these things, I believe that you know men are. Are, are perfect beings and, and these other things but I think that just a little bit higher is a female her thought processes are more gentle more strong more uh, puzzling more brilliant more fiery just all any kind of adjective that you could think of because there is that extra spark of the divine the the, the universal force not just what's here that is, you know, imbued to us within our beginning of our existence or from the gods or from the earth itself. It's something that transcends all of it. So I'm hoping, and I probably have, uh, is in my past, which I'm going to start looking into this myself, is my past lives. We'll, we might end up trying to do some past life regressions here uh, on Facebook, but I want to see what my female existences were like. I want to do some things and, and figure that out because uh, that's another thing about uh, especially men who have come into paganism through whatever fault of their own I think one of the things that we do um, before we're so tough and all this you know we're just men and we spit and we drink beer and all this shit but whenever we find pagan tradition one of the first things that pagan tradition does for a man usually especially for me that's come out of Christianity, is whenever you learn about the idea of gods and goddesses and the idea of duality, you know, the, the, the reciprocity of male and female is the idea that um, we need each other. It's not just a one-sided thing. Men need women and women need men. But men are so stubborn and we don't, you know, we get so set in our ways that we don't take the time to look at the reality of, of, of society, the reality of the physical world in which we live in, and then to think of the spiritual world, which is the gods and goddesses and nature spirits and all these different things. That thing that hits us smack dab in the forehead, which is um, we start to realize that we have a female side, that even though we would like to worship the god till the cows come home, there's a goddess in us too, and we have to acknowledge that. 
So that's why I am very much into Mother Danu. I, I honor them both, Dr. and Danu. But because knowing that without that earth outside my window, I wouldn't be here. That earth is a giver. It is a sustainer. It is a life giver. And it is what gives our society and us shape and form. So you kind of have to look at the idea of, you know, we can't be stingy. We can't always think that we're the shit, that we're the be-all, end-all of everything. You know, men have such egos. Everybody has egos, men and women both. But a lot of times I admit it is us because we just think that our shit don't stink in some of these areas. But a man that comes into pagan traditions, those that really look at the inward side of themselves, realize that we have to acknowledge and embrace the goddess. Um, I see a lot of pagan men that become more respectful towards women. I see a lot of pagan men that become more mindful towards women and stuff, trying to understand the things that they go through daily as mothers and teachers and all these different things. And whenever we do that, it makes us better. Um, and it's and this other this thing that you know, if we uh, start to embrace the female side, that a man becomes more wimpy. That's bullshit. A man is a warrior, whether he's on the battlefield or holding his wife close because she's scared of a thunderstorm. Both sides, a man is just is just as just the same on that side of the fence as he is on the other. And too many men don't know that. That's why I'm also very big into men's mysteries, which we might do a class on druidic men's mysteries and, and do some talks about druidic men's mysteries um, that can cover some of those things. But we have to be able to work together. Um, and another thing is like not only do men, pagan men, understand that they have that female side, but we also we also learn that you're not our enemy. We're not, you know, we're not in competition against each other that we should be helping each other, men and women both, um, through good times and bad times, you know. It works all that way. And you know what's cool about that? For those of you that are pagan couples, that have children, whenever you have that kind of dynamic where your husband is more respectful of you and stuff because we understand, you know, that pagan side of things, the one deal with that is, as parents, you emulate that more towards your children. And your children become better citizens, better friends, better people. And also, I believe that as they grow up through life, if they start to follow the path themselves, magically they become stronger. You're giving them your power. You're showing them what a tribal society is where everybody takes care of each other. Everybody loves each other. Everybody has each other's back. And that's not a one-sided thing. When you go into a Celtic fort, uh, back in those many hundred years, you didn't see the men living in huts on one side of the grounds and women living on the other. Families and couples lived in their homes together. There was no division. There was no need for division because the Celtic peoples understood that uh, cooperation and understanding got a lot more done than division and, you know, just being stupid about how you live life and that's another thing that made the irish people strong like i've said in classes and stories before 
Ireland is the only island that was never conquered by the Romans. There's a reason for that. Those the people were strong. Their units were strong. Their clans were strong. The, the, the people of the island, all of it, were strong enough that over time and in various situations, they were able to repel the invaders that they wanted to. And uh, they made, you know, uh, connections with the Norse. There's a lot of Norse things that are connected to Ireland because we were a, uh, a way stop for them on their way to conquering Greenland and Iceland and some of these other places. So they got to see, the Norse got to see how the Celts were in battle and in philosophy and in uh, oral tradition and all these things. So everybody says, well, if you're a modern Druid, then why don't you do modern things? Because some of the modern things that we do now are so stupid that we need to study and learn and adapt the ancient things because those are the things that are going to make us better people. Um, you know, we are practicing the, we're, we're practicing these traditions because we know that at the end of the day, uh, you know, that it's going to make us and those that we love stronger, our co our groves and, and covens and various things are going to make them stronger. And later on down the line, whenever we pass and we go into the next life, we're going to pass that back to people that are still here. And hopefully that little bit of a spark of the inspiration, which is the base of all of it, to everything that we study, the Awen, the three-way raise that we chant whenever we start and finish these, that is bringing into us, uh, it is a modern thing that has ancient connotations, and we're bringing that through our mind and our body and out to the world and the people that are around us. So hopefully we're going to keep on doing this. I hope you're going to keep on doing this. Holy crap, we've got 130 people here. I'm so glad to get... Can you guys hear me okay? We're getting ready to, to uh, wind this down. But I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions before I close down, go ahead and type them up and put them up here on the thing, and I'd be glad... Or any if you have a statement about what you think about some of this, go ahead and let me know because it's good to have a discussion. You know, I kind of want this to be a little bit more participational. So if you have things that you would like to add, if you liked it, give me a thumbs up. You know, let me know what you think about this. Um, but, uh, and for those that are here, we just recently finished up our uh, online Beltane. Oh, my God. That was so cool. We had a very good time uh, with everybody that showed up. Um, and Ritual, I did Ritual on a very hot day. The day that Beltane decided to happen here was definitely overly warm. But uh, we got through it. We got through it in one piece. It was really, really cool. Um, for those of you that are out there that are new to this um, and you have questions, feel free to friend me and inbox me a message. And if you have things that you would like to know about, authors or books that I might recommend or, you know, just different, any question that you'd have, I would be happy to answer it. Also, if you are having a situation where you need to design a ritual or you want to know how to uh, kind of cleanse some situations out of your life, I can help you with that too. Um, so you can message me and friend me and I'll, I'll help you up. I believe in service, you know, that, that's a priest's job to serve the community. And that's what, that's what this is. This is one thing that this is meant to uh, uh, strive towards. Um, also, 
for the foreseeable future until we get past this thing, which God's willing will be quick and 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 over with. But if not, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep having classes. We're going to keep having events. We're going to have meditations. There's going to be nights that I'll come on and we will do readings, Ogham readings, card readings, uh, stones, water readings. Who knows? Just whatever I decide to come up with at the time. So I invite you to be around for that. Um, and also, if you are just coming from an exterior portion of Facebook, um, I invite you to come join us at um, Missouri Druid School. We've got new people coming in every day that are learning and asking questions and are sharing their knowledge with everybody, which is really, really cool. I love it. I think a growing community is important and vibrant and great. So I invite you to come check that out. What I'm going to do after we get through here is I'm going to take this video. I'm going to compress it and do some things that I need to do. And then I'm going to process it and put it on YouTube. And I invite you to check out my YouTube channel, which is A Pagan Perspective, YouTube.com. And um, we've got videos of all seven classes. We've got rituals. We've got meditations. We've got videos from when I very first started the channel in 2012 that are very cool. We've got music videos I've done, pagan music videos that we put up and stuff like that. So I invite you to check that out. And like I say, the next class that we have is coming up Thursday. Let's see, that is May 14th, this Thursday at 7 p.m. And the class is Druid School Lesson Number 8, Sacred Ireland. Uh, Ireland and its Celtic cosmology. So that is going to be something cool. You're going to learn about the what the island is in Druidic philosophy. For Druids that are practicing Irish tradition, it is the center of the universe, and you're going to find out why. And there's a lot of things that we're going to learn about the areas of Ireland, the sacred places, sacred spaces, um, why a place is what it is. And then we're going to learn about even concepts like the Dendesentius, which Dendesentius in um, Gaelic is place name stories. Places in Ireland have lore and stories that go with them, and you're going to find out why that is on Thursday. So I'm going to take a drink here, and I hope you've had a great evening, had a, had a drink with me as well. This mead is wonderful. I love it. Blueberry mead. If you get a chance, I highly recommend going out getting the things together that you need and making a batch of mead because this is just wonderful. All right. We're going to close this out with some good energy. I'm going to sit back, close our eyes, and good God, we have 170 people here. That is so cool. So thank you very much for everybody that's here. Thumbs up, loves to all of you. And what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes Take three deep breaths, and we're going to chant the ah win. From the altar to the ring, may the blessings of body, mind, and spirit be yours. 
We're going to have another Oakley's, Oakley's number three, next Sunday. Don't know what it's going to be yet. I will post about that. We'll get that put up. But join me next Sunday for another edition of Oakley's, Oakley's number three. And we've got class on Thursday. And join us on Missouri Druid School and check out the YouTube. Hope you guys have a great week. Be safe. Try to stay warm. We've got some winter weather that's going to be protruding through the country. And until then, have a great night. And thank you very much, guys.